I'm going to start. You start. I think you should start, EJ. I'm going to start. I'm really excited. So welcome, everybody. It's Draft Politics. It's episode 95. Slow that. Slow that. Slow that. Give me a pause. Give me a pause so when I'm editing, I'm not like, oh, where's the, where do I cut? You were very excited, by the way. You were very excited. (laughs) Welcome, everybody. It's Draft Politics. It's episode 95. And I'm EJ, and I'm here with Steve, as always, but also with... Carol. Hi, y'all. It's a crazy day here at Spiteful Brewing, where I'm doing all the talking. Steve's trying to get a word in edgewise, and now I'll let him. Well, now I'll give a little more introduction to uh, our guest, Carol. Uh, you you actually know her if you've been following the podcast. She is our Will Heard correspondent, uh, <laughs> was in Texas at the time, has since relocated back here to the fine Windy City and is uh, here joining us. Uh, do you want to say a little bit, Carol? About myself or Will Hurd? I'm not sure which. We'll get to Will Hurd. We'll get to, uh, I was going to yeah, say, yeah. no, gl- glad to be here. Long time, first time. Right. There we go. Awesome. Fantastic. And I do believe, and I did do a great deal of no research on this, that we are the only political podcast in this area that has a Will Hurd correspondent. I think you're right. I think you're right. I feel very confident in saying that. Yes. And it has been a while. There's been some travel. And one of our problems is always coordinating schedules because we're all very busy uh, out there saving the world or making money for people we don't like, one or the other. And possibly both. <laughs> possibly both. And news moves very quickly. So we've got a lot to cover today. But most importantly, I need to know how many thread subscribers do you have now? Have you threaded? Are you posting I, I, threads? I have threaded because it was like push button thread on i see I, you've threaded I, I i looked at it and i'm like i don't know any of these people who i'm getting threads from okay I, I, cool i'm sure it's i'm sure this will become i think i'm sure it'll be okay for a little while until it becomes utterly horrible but you know we'll see i mean i i have to say that the whole the whole threads thing launching getting millions of users in elon musk freaking out about it just it just hits my schadenfreude just right. True. True. I mean, and you watch him online, Elon, like kind of, oh, well, I'm going to sue them for copying all of the Twitter stuff and hiring our people and then being called out on the, do you remember when you fired all of the people? Yeah. <laughs> Which I love. And then over the weekend, he uh, suggested a literal dick measuring contest. That was, that's where we're at right now. So I love the level of discourse that we get these days. I, I really do, media. too. And you've got to think if you're a Tesla, uh, a Tesla shareholder, that's got to feel great. I find it amazing that somehow when, how, how many hours ago or days ago was it that Mark Zuckerberg was also evil incarnate, that now all of a sudden he's our savior? It's like, yeah. Right. No, 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 I'm not saying, I'm not <laughs> saying the Zuck is good. But I'm not saying he's good. People seem to think the he enemy is. Of my enemy is my <laughs> capitalist overlord as well. I mean... To me, you know, it's like the scene in Godzilla where they just say, let them fight. So that's what I was hoping for with the cage match. Right. Yeah. yeah Which yeah. apparently is also now a dick, dick measuring, measuring contest. contest. I, I actually feel like this should be the question is how long before uh, Elon calls Zuck a pedo? Yeah. That's I mean, is it a week? Is it 10 days? Oh. What's the over under? Oh, 10 days seems seems generous. We'll find yeah. out. <laughs> we will find out. 
Okay, so I, I think the thing that we we brought Carol in, we've got Carol here for, is the Goat Rodeo 2024. Goat Rodeo 2024. The Republican crew just keeps getting bigger and more diverse, yes. really reflecting the soul of the Republican Party and the fabric of the American people. <laughs> wow. I mean, not to put a too heavy spin on it there, EJ. Right. But right. <laughs> we are all doomed, it sounds like. Yeah, probably. Well, probably. But yes. if you look, actually, if you look at the 13 Republicans now running for president, it's actually a pretty diverse group. It's more diverse than the group of Democrats. Well, I suppose that's technically true. <laughs> that, is, that is technically <laughs> the but truth. But let's be clear. Old white people still well represented. So. Uh, yes. Uh, um, uh, probably overrepresented. Probably, as usual. Uh, since, since last spoke, who did we get? Who have we uh, got? Yeah, so we got two new candidates. We got uh, Francis Suarez, who is the mayor of Miami. And so that could be interesting, you know, obviously appealing to a vote that Trump did fairly well with uh, last time. Um, and then, of course, why Carol is here. Will Hurd. So tell us about Will Hurd, Carol. <laughs> so interestingly, I moved to Texas, as Steve knows, in 2016. I quit my job somewhere at the end of February and was just hanging around with not really much to do when the big Beto and Will Hurd cross-country trip was live-streamed almost continuously. Okay. To, there was a snowstorm. They had to get to Washington to make a vote, and all of the flights were canceled. So they decided to hop in a car together and drive to Washington, D.C., live-stream the whole thing. This is how I got to know Beto better. This is how my first introduction to Will Hurd. And I was just shocked that this reasonable human being was having intelligent discourse with right. someone that I liked. And they were getting along. And they were able to find places where they agreed. And he seemed incredibly reasonable, as well as able to do a hood slide better than anybody else can. I mean, he did that on this trip, too. Like, like Dukes of Hazard style. Yes, exactly. All they right. stopped for gas. They said if they had a certain number of people watching the live stream at that point, they would do that. They did. You nice. know. You know, so, promises made, promises kept. I mean, right? they also said, I pointed out to Beto when I met him at a fundraiser down there that he also said push-ups and it was Good never flex. done. So I did do push-ups with Beto at a fundraiser, too. Okay. So, you All know, right. my Texas experience. But if, um, <laughs> Full I, Texas experience. But <laughs> that would be it, I suppose. But I remember EJ said something a few years back, sometime probably 18, 17, that about, probably 18, that... Will Hurd flip-flopped on something, and I was so irate because nobody's going to talk bad about my Will Hurd. He, <laughs> might, he might be the only Republican that I will ever defend and in here is my way. reckoning. <laughs> so here Today. we are, EJ. And I said to Steve, I'm like, no, he's in a purple district. He wins by a point and a half to two points, and he votes in a way that actually represents his district. And there's... For years, for my entire political life, and I'm a little older than both of you, I've always found it strange that people get angry when a politician will listen to the polls of the people that they are representing and change what they might be voting on something. And my thought is, 
if we're in a representative democracy, isn't that what they're supposed to do? And if they're hearing from their constituents that this is what they want, they should be voting in the way that their constituents want. So when you're in a district like they had in Texas, where it was San Antonio, down to the border, over yeah. almost El Paso, covering a massive, large amount of the Mexican-Texas border, and he's saying something or voting something that doesn't match with his party, it's because he knows and his people are saying this is not needed. And so I said, do not, do not tell EJ, do not let any smack talk and about my I will hurt. Him. You did on the air. I appreciate that. <laughs> but I do appreciate, and I want to be clear. I will likely not vote for Will Hurd in a general because the Supreme Court is always in my mind. I don't think he'll get the chance in a general. But I really (laughs) like the idea that a reasonable, moderate person who chose not to run for re-election because of his fights and problems with Trump and all of that because he was considered not a party guy, even though before Trump he was around 91% voting on the party line. Mm -hmm. After Trump it was around 82% and he just started dropping off on these things. And since he's left office, he's done a lot about common sense and avoiding the culture wars, making sure that we're looking at things that we can actually fix and with a 21st century solution. He was a CIA operative. He worked in cybersecurity. Oh, he's part of the deep space. I, I got mean, it. <laughs> he actually knows, you know, when he was against the wall and Trump got pissed off about that. He has a huge border. I think I'm going to listen to this former CIA operative and cybersecurity guy who has a huge chunk of the Texas-Mexico yeah. border about what we need to do at the border, much more than I'm going to listen to any of the other people who don't have any idea what's going on down there in the border in the same way. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's like the reason our politics is so broken right now is because there isn't a lot of room in it for people who are, you know, willing to think a little bit outside of a particular box of what their politics is. And I, I mean, this is I'm what I'm saying now is very much about the right more so than the left. But um, I can't say it's unique. Totally it is not. Right. It is not. No. Oh, no, no, it's for sure. It is not. But it is. I mean, it's it's a far more. I mean, it's, you know, we go back to both sides and like, you know, it's like. There are certainly characteristics of these same patterns of behavior on both sides, but there's a degree of extremity and degree of scale that we see on the right. And if somebody like Will Hurd was in more, if basically if the Republican Party was more mainstreamly, like if he was, how am I trying to say this? If he was more of a part of what is sort of mainstream thought for the Republican Party, we'd be a very different country than we are right now. That is and, true. And I want to support that. I want, yeah. and so when I said to you, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm going to do for the first time in my life, pull a Republican ballot to vote for Will Hurd in the primary. It's because I want to support yeah. that there are, that there is room for moderate people who want to focus on what we need to do more than getting involved in culture wars or Disney wars or any of these other things. I Star want wars. to, like, Star Wars even, exactly. Um, I want to give support to that and maybe give some encouragement that more people can choose to try to get involved in politics without being involved in the nonsensical wars on things that don't matter, like Disney. Yeah, that, right. that that's an issue right. is still mind blowing to me. Or Nazi flags that we still have to fight Nazi flags at Disney, even. Well, and I think part of the big problem we have with is that. In the Republican primaries, there are not enough people who are willing to say, I'm a Republican and I'm going to vote for somebody who is not the crazy. That that you don't have people who are who are doing that where they're going and saying, I'm you know, I'm gonna vote for Will Hurd or somebody, 
as opposed to, you know, it's like people just say, well, I'm an independent, like, because they don't really want to associate with it anymore. They don't show up at the primary, and then, and that gives outsized weight in the primary to the Trump supporters and all of that. So do you feel, do you think, more than feel, that after 2016 and the primaries and enough people either thinking of it as a joke or sitting out and watching the crazy circus that was, do you think some of those people on the Republican side might decide to vote in a primary if they say, I want to vote for something not crazy? Is there a possibility that someone somehow can find a way to reach those people? Yes, I think that that is possible. But you have to look at the mix of the rules in the states, so open versus closed primaries. Mm-hmm. And so you'd have to really drive True. up, you know, to make a meaningful disti- difference, uh, you'd have to drive up Republican registration in states that have closed primaries, which may be difficult, uh, but may be possible if there's only a single Democratic candidate, right? So um, you could have independents, you know, voting for you know, going into that Republican primary uh, in the open states, um, that could certainly be a possibility. But the reality seems to be that somewhere between 25 and 32 percent of the Republican electorate is pretty extreme, is pretty hardcore. As is the Democrat primary voters. Some of them are also, I mean, I, I, have all, I am a life, almost lifelong Democrat because there was a few years after in the John Kerry debacle where I said I'm going to be an independent because I can't understand what the Democratic Party is doing on the national level here trying to do Republican lights or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but being able, you know, it's my first time I've pulled, I recognize that I'm now going to get all of the swing voter undecided emails, phone calls, mailings, and everything oh, yeah. else. That, you right. know, I'm now getting myself going to be... <laughs> You're advertising. I mean, I did also stay politics. on the Trump mailing list to give you guys amusement for many years, too, <laughs> until I just couldn't take Thank it you for anymore. Your <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, looking at that and just give, looking for more options, because I think that... People, the, the Republic, all of the primaries have terrible turnout pretty much everywhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And what can we do about that? We, um, as a whole, the royal we, not you and me and EJ yeah. here. No, literally there, the three of us. The three of us are going to fix this. This is right. <laughs> I mean, I've certainly, I mean, I've gone to Iowa, I've gone to New Hampshire, knocked on doors, in Wisconsin, right. all those places. I don't know if I've gotten anybody to vote that wasn't going to vote anyway. But. It would certainly be helpful. And by the way, I also think you're right that I won't have the chance to vote for Will Hurd in a general one way or the other because he is one of the people that probably will not get on the GOP um, convention, uh, the, the convention the debates yeah. because he has declined to say that no matter who wins the GOP nomination, that he will support them. He refuses to support Trump. But has Trump even said that at this point? Uh, he but the RNC has said that well, they will, that's one of uh-huh. their rules to get on the debate stage yeah. is you have to say you're going to back and he straight out says he will not back Trump. Yeah, but they want Trump on the debate stage. So yeah, And just it. so you know, the yeah. uh, March primary for the Republican Party is... March 19th, 2024. So it's it looks like it's about 20th, 18th yeah. in in the line. So, um, hey, look, I, I hope Will Hurd is still hanging around uh, for that period. It is, it is really a fascinating group of people because you can't find polls that say people love Donald Trump, but nobody seems to like any of the other candidates very much. Right. Um, I mean, like, Chris Christie appeals to me because he's saying bad things about Trump, but I'm also not a Republican voter, (laughs) so it doesn't help much. 
true on both of those things, um, you're not a Republican voter. No. And I, I, Although I, historically, that is not, well, I don't know. It's a, I was a Republican-leaning voter at one point in my life, but I, I, I changed. I, so. Look, I think we've said it on the podcast yes. before. I voted for Republicans for president. Yeah. And I might have voted for McCain if he hadn't, have, if he hadn't chosen the, the land of the crazy. And I think that that's really a, that is really something that, that when I look at where the Republican Party votes as a you know, core group, their core base, it's the embrace of ignorance, right? Mm-hmm. And why they'll continue to have trouble with, you know, I, I don't want to say swing voters. I just think reasonable, rational voters. You know, do you really think, and I, 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 this is not me coming up with this phrase, somebody else, but like, do you think the suburban mom in, you know, suburban Detroit or suburban Atlanta who voted for Joe Biden in the last election is going to go back to Trump now? Like, there's no way, right? Like, those same people who thought that Trump was too crazy before is not going to go back. And the core voters are all thinking Trump is better because he's like, oh, man, we really like this Trump guy. He said he was persecuted. And look, look, he's actually being persecuted for the crimes he's committing. Oh, for right? shame. Yeah. The crimes he committed have a consequence. So it's a, it's... It's really interesting. And you've got Chris Christie, who's out there constantly hammering on how bad Trump is. Um, is it helping his poll numbers? Hard to say. Hard to say that we're really getting I mean, good I'll give him numbers. credit for being one of the few who's really making that effort. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, you, you can see Pence slowly starting to be more critical of Trump, which nothing says strength than, hey, I'm lightly critical of this person who tried to have me murdered right. a couple <laughs> years ago. I would have so, preferred... And my mom said that that wasn't a very <laughs> <Right>. nice thing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Ah, uh, Mike Pence. And, but nobody else is polling anywhere close. Yeah. Right? And well, if all you have is slamming Trump and saying he's a jerk, what is anyone doing to inspire someone to come over and vote for them? Well, and I don't even know what, what would be inspirational in a Republican election. I truly do not know right. what inspires Republicans <laughs> that are not the fringe. Yeah. I truly do and not know. And I think know. what, yeah. what, what is, it's Trump. Like, that's what seems to be inspirational to them at this point. Well, that's um, the fringe. But what are the, rest, what are the rest of the moderate Republicans, what do moderate Democrats want, too, that could be, you know, I mean, there's that whole group of moderate people in the middle, and a lot of people will consider themselves moderate. Somehow, strangely, I've become a moderate Democrat, over the years, and I used to be, uh, yeah, I was rough. Ask my mother. Yeah, I, I was getting in a lot of political fights in high school down in very red LaSalle County, Illinois. So. Well, but yeah. I, I think. But yeah, what does the what do the people in the middle actually want besides mostly not to have all this crazy fighting and actually see government work? Right. They want they want a decent job. They want to have some assurance that that decent job will continue. They want to be able to make sure their kids will do better off than they were. I mean, it's like none of that stuff has really changed. I think like a lot of it is just a matter of like how much do people believe in the possibility of that? And the, and I think yeah. the left tends to be people who still believe that there's some role for government, that it can make things better and that on the right they're basically like the government can only screw this up and we just need less of it and cut my taxes 
I mean, and there's all sorts of other layers to it, obviously, but like I feel like that's a sort of a broad theme uh, that kind well, of separates Well, but I would say that the big difference between the middle now and the middle before is that the middle now also has a heavy dose of social conservatism, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the, the social, the, the right now is like less government except to regulate how you behave yeah. and align it to a, a Christian ideology, right? That is That to me, as somebody who grew up in the Catholic faith, you Amen. know, grew up, you know, kind of aware of politics, but like that was the single biggest thing that drove me away from all kind of conservative and air quotes politics is this this ability to hold in your mind the idea that government has one role and that's restricting freedom and that's bad except for the restriction of freedoms that you don't want other people to have. Right. Right. And and I don't know that there is any horizon that that shows that changing, yeah. right? Like there's, you know, Will Hurt is a again pretty reasonable guy, bringing it back to the hurt. Um, you the know, Hurd. You, you, you're going to call him that now. Uh, sure, why not? <laughs> um, it's a collective noun, so I, you know, you can hope that those folks will will become more popular on the right because or in the Republican Party because that would show that sort of Overton window moving back towards, you know, small government lower taxes is good, but freedom is also good. Uh, the the real problem and I think we're gonna talk about this when we, we talk about the courts, right? Is that freedom now has this sort of perverse meaning, which is freedom to do the things that the Bible tells you you're allowed to do. And that's, that's where I really think and it's, a lot of And it's my personal interpretation of whatever oh, the Bible sure. says. So there you go. Um, um, so before we get into, we're going to talk about a little bit on the Democrats and all that, but I am sadly lacking a beer right now, so I must go nice. fix this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the earliest we've ever had to do a beer break in in a seg, I, I mean, this is like we're not even past the second sub bullet. Are you going to get the same beer that you had last time, Steve? I, I think I'm going to go with the sour this time. So this was the what was it again? You 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 wrote <laughs> yes, this down. Yes, I AJ. have the list Tell up what here. I, t- what did you I have drink? The AJ? Norm, presumably yes. not McDonald, is a sob. Yes, and it is a that's a German Roggen beer style of beer I've never heard of, yeah. but basically it's kind of like a. a, a Doppelbach, but it's rye-based, I guess, and it's quite tasty. It's not bad. I taste it. I think that. I'm going to go do the sour side of things here in a moment. Well, why don't you go get that? And here's what Carol's going to get the full draft politics experience. All right. And I will talk about her beer while you're getting your beer. <laughs> All right. So, Carol, what did you have today? I got my favorite here at Spiteful. It's a favorite brewery of mine. I got the goddamn Pigeon Porter. All right, the goddamn Pigeon Porter. And you've had that before. You Mm -hmm. like it. It's a standard for you. Many times. I tend to like the darker beers. I like a little less hop, a little heavier on the malt. And this is just a delightful flavor, which isn't so strong. A lot of the beers I like are like your Russian Imperial barrel aged, but they Mm -hmm. wind up being, you know, 18% and hard on a hot summer day. And, and what I'd like to note here, so, uh, so this Pigeon Porter 
And I'm I'm not using God the full name, so he doesn't have to. Well, no. he doesn't have to. Every time no. we do that, we have to bleep it out. So, um, it is one of the more popular beers you can find from Spiteful. It's on tap all over Chicago. Mm-hmm. And when Carol said it's one of their lighter ones, it's eight point two percent. Yes. So it is, is not true. one. Uh, you know, it's not what I would consider it's one light. Of they're lighter dark beers, like lower alcohol. I mean, if you look at the other ones on there, EJ, look at some of those other dark beers that are on there. It is true that of the ones they have, they've got a, they've got a barrel-aged imperial stout that's 14. Uh, they've got the Malevolence, which is 14. That's the Mexican hot chocolate stout. Which, which I really want to try. Get. Yes, it is excellent. It is excellent. But they're one of the places here in town that does a great blend of beers. So, mm-hmm. you know, I started with a diggable IPA, which is only a 6%. It's galaxy hopped. Um, pretty light, pretty crisp. Um, and, uh, you know, longtime listeners will know that I'm on the IPA side of things. You are. Um, and it is super good. I, uh, their Alley Time uh, Simcoe Hopped Pale Ale is one that my neighbor introduced me to. And you can buy in a pony keg. So you can get a five-gallon pony keg of alley time for a reasonable price. And I highly recommend it. We do it now for our block party every year. I was thinking you did this for the refrigerator in your garage. But remember, I'm from central Illinois. (laughs) I don't have a refrigerator in my garage, sadly. Um, But I've got this Diggable IPA and actually uh, moved into the Stubborn Sally, which is their hazy um, also quite good. Pretty light, pretty crisp. Um, really looking for something pretty nice on today, a 90-degree day here in Chicago. So Steve is yes, back. Yes, I'm back. I think that's part of why my beer went quickly is the temperature outside and my walking here. You uh, did walk here. And I, have you finished your water yet? I should probably hydrate. And Thank you. Thank what you. did you get Official there hydration as your, correspondent your second of the podcast. <laughs> so we've talked, about, uh, we've talked about the Pigeon Porter. Uh, in its 8.2% lightness. <laughs> right. <laughs> and where uh, did yeah, you so go? Yeah, so this is the Twang Guava, which uh, oh, they only have right. in cans because apparently the, the kettle keg, sour. keg uh, died yesterday. So <gasps> this, is, no. this is what it... So normally I'm not into getting cans at a place, but I'm like, I want to try something different, and it is quite good. You know, I thought about that. I'm not usually a big fan of guava, but I'm always a big fan of sours. Can I taste your beer, You may. Steve? I mean, we've known each other a long mm. time. A long time. And we always say it's not a can. It's an executive keg. That was a keg made just for you. That's right. And open just for you, sir. How how is your executive keg? It feels exclusive. Uh, Elite. There you go. But and you share tasty and it's it's very just light overall. I really like it. Um so anyhow, uh, sorry I interrupted all this politics with some beer, but... Uh, no, no, thank you for doing so. Let's move on to the non-Republicans. Yes, and so I, I feel like it kind of circled back nicely to some stuff you were saying, Carol, about like that segment of the Democratic Party and that has a more, you know... How would you describe it? I wasn't going to say extreme view, but maybe like... I, I mean, know. there's always going to be extremes on each side. And yes. I know that some of us... Uh, Steve and I, our friends, have been friends for a very long time. We have a large network of friends that we share together. And um, I'm not sure that they would consider themselves extreme, but mm-hmm. some of them, to most people, 
Yeah. Could be considered extreme. Well, in yeah. that, and it's on the social issues, which tends to be where we are mm. all. And I was like, you know, I would say I was a yellow dog Democrat, like old school talking, but I can never give up any of the social issues. I will not have less rights, less freedoms for everyone else. No ma- and that's an absolute for me, which is why I must protect the court with my final vote. I think there, you know, in the, there, our friends, and when we go back for years, there's always going to be the far left wing of the Democrat Party. I mean, it used to be the party of Kucinich the, and those guys that were doing their things. There's always going to be that group. The people who were like, Jimmy Carter is too extreme or too too centrist for us. Well, Jimmy Carter was just a delight, but yeah. But and at the time, uh, happy, yeah. Anniversary, yeah. happy anniversary to Jimmy and Rosalind Carter. Oh, well, there we go. Oh, today? Just celebrated their, oh. uh, I think, like 75th, Recently. 76th wedding anniversary on uh, July the 7th or 8th. So I hope, you know, my background is hospice and palliative nursing. I'm not sure you knew that, EJ. But I hope since he's on hospice with his cancer back, she's had their, her Alzheimer's diagnosis. I hope they get the um, luxury to pass close to each other. Yeah. That That'd would be, be nice. very nice be for nice. them and to go together after yep. so many years. Yep. Um, but, yeah, so, like, I want to kind of circle back on what you were saying earlier because I feel like RFK Jr. and Cornell West kind of bring up some of the possible fractures that we have, right? So RFK mm-hmm. Jr. running in the primary um, has historically had, ver- you know, more left uh, positions, you know, very, you know, much about like, you know, you know, you know, needing to have equality and, and, and you know, rich and, you know, ending the divide between rich and poor to the extent that we can, like lots of good stuff like that. But then has also more recently been like, hey, Bitcoin, that's cool. And, and an- anti-vax. And right. Steve the Bannon, anti-vax is not new. That's been an- around yeah, for a while. Yeah, the anti-vax has been around for a while. Um, there's apparently Steve Bannon is encouraging to run. So there's like, oh dear. there's this weird, well, and, you know, because it plays very nicely into a narrative that the, that the Republicans can have of like, because there's not going to be a debate. They're going to they're gonna cut RFK out because there's not really any, there's not enough of a voting audience to really justify having the debates and all of that sort of stuff. And so that feeds a narrative for the right. And then you get Cornell West in here, who's running as a third party. Uh, he was running for the as the People's Party candidate, but now yeah. he's running for the Green Party uh, in the primary for the Green Party and presumably will win the nomination. I don't know who he's running against, but uh, he's a fairly well-known name. And the Green Party gets him on the ballot. And the Green Party gets him on the ballot. And that sets up a very interesting situation in that, you know, we look at like if it's just Trump and Biden, it probably plays out like it did previously, probably even more so to Biden's benefit with, you know, we've seen since the the previous election, there was all what the Supreme Court has done um, that would hopefully influence some voters to be more in favor of Biden than they are Trump. But if you bring in somebody who's a Green Party candidate who has a fairly well-established identity on the left um, recently was quoted. I, I brought this quote into the, the notes here. I think Bernie was treated so unjustly and so unfairly by the Democratic Party. The lesson that I learned was that the Democratic Party, for the most part, is a corporate-dominated party that uses its progressives often as window dressing. Bernie was not given the kind of chance that he deserved, which is to say our efforts were not given the kind of fair chance that they deserved. Yeah. Can and you say you disagree with that? I can definitely say I disagree with that. I can say that. I can agree with a lot of that, he said. Okay. There's a lot of lip service of the Democratic Party to get people to vote for them, especially your people of color. 
and then they don't actually follow through. Uh, for yeah. yeah. Separately, I agree. Yes, I agree with that point. Like I, I like I think a lot of what they talk about with Bernie, like I feel like is a little overblown. But I think the overall notion that there is a a large chunk of the Democratic Party that is about basically maintaining the capitalist order, if you will, and trying to and will argue that, you know, OK, well, we're not great, but the worst thing is even worse. And and I and I totally get that. But at the same time, it's like, but the worst thing is even worse. And so I don't know how you split that particular hair. Like, you know, it's like, okay, so if he runs, and well, he is running. If he's on the ballot in most states come November, and it's Trump and Biden or the other candidates, there's a very good chance that Trump becomes president. Yeah, Cornell West has a large following in the African-American community of the work he's done for social justice. Yeah, there and is that, that is factor. the risk, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, the risk is in states like Georgia and Wisconsin. Probably they're the biggest risks. Maybe maybe Michigan. I'm thinking Michigan perhaps. But Michigan yeah. is Michigan is the Republicans in Michigan are We'll get to them. I yes, added something. We please, but stop. please, we're please. talking about but, them. But you know, it, we're talking a, a few thousand votes yeah. here and there is a difference in 2020. Yes, it is absolutely. So it doesn't true. take much to to you know throw us back into let's try fascism and see how that works out. It is not. It is not that I think that people will vote for Cornell West. I think they just won't vote, and that is that is the bigger risk. Um, they won't be out there, you know. People won't be out there getting out the vote. They won't be out in their communities. African-Americans won't be out in their communities with, with enthusiasm for Biden. And, and look, it's hard to be enthusiastic for Biden. It is hard. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, I, and, I, you know, and it's like I, I think Biden has done some good things, but am I enthusiastic about Biden? No, I was hoping he wouldn't run again. I was hoping I was we'd have a primary. I was very much planning on that. Yeah. Didn't he say that? Or he int- did. He did say that. Did he say it directly? He said it explicitly that he wasn't going to run for a second term. Um, hmm. I, you know, and so everybody's kind of like, well, you know, we'll, we'll just run next time. And they're, and they're largely not challenging him other than apparently RFK Jr. and, and Marianne Williamson. But <laughs> of course, but neither she of them really well, has any crystal chance, said it was like, time. But like, is there? But there's no candidate who's in a good position to win the Democratic nomination who would also appeal to who Cornell West is appealing to. And a yeah. lot of, and I will say, well, when I'm thinking about what, who Cornell West appeals to, you you point out to uh, to black people. I'm also thinking about um, the Bernie people because like Cornell West aligned himself very closely to that, and and there's still a lot of frustration and, and out- outrage over 2016 that's still an undercurrent yeah. in all that. And I don't know how many of those people were, were Biden voters last time, but are certainly still possible Biden voters at least. And, you know, that but, throws that but Bernie's, wrench in there. So Bernie's support, and you know what? Well, but Bernie, Bernie will nominate, I mean. Bernie's already endorsed Biden. Yeah. So, and we can go back to it in a future episode and I can look at voting patterns between Bernie voters and Biden voters and you know, whether or not they actually matter in those states, right? Yeah. Because there weren't a lot of, like, Georgia Bernie voters, yeah. right? Um, 
I think it's more about enthusiasm because they're going to be more of a, I, I, I will say it now. And if the one person listening calls me out on this uh, in the election, I'd like, I think 2024 is going to be the largest turnout in the history of American elections. Uh, Which by pure population growth would sort of be, you'd assume this would uh, happen. I'll even <laughs> say uh, percentage-wise. It'll have the highest oh, percentage okay. of voters. Wow. Um, Should I put this on my calendar? Yeah, and right. let, let's say highest percentage of eligible voters have voted. That way that gets us just to the right metric. That's the right metric to measure it by. Um, and I think it'll be 5 to 8% so like higher. Not QB the Trump rating or, or, you know... I mean, Trump has pointed out, you know, that he had more votes than any other. Right. Well, I was like, well, yeah, more voters, dude. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the, <laughs> uh, right. Math is funny so, that way. So speaking of the guy who can't do math, is he in jail yet? Is he in jail? <laughs> oh, no. Uh, but we're, I feel like we're circling closer. We're, get, we're getting there. We've got, uh, you know, I mean, obviously he's been indicted at least once. Twice. Twice. Been indicted twice. Oh, yes, he's been indicted twice. That's I mean, we're still waiting on Georgia, as far as I know, right? They haven't come through? Yeah, it's true. It's true. So uh, right now we have, uh, we have indictments in New York, in the state court of New York. Uh, we're waiting on a ruling there about whether or not it's going to be remanded to the state court of New York or uh, be moved to the federal court. Um, then we have the uh, federal indictment, indictments in Florida. The case that's being overseen by obviously impartial Judge Eileen Cannon. Obviously. Um, and that's just about the uh, obstruction of justice and, and document kind of things. That's both Donald Trump and Walt Nauda, um, who finally got an attorney after uh, a month and a half. Um, we are waiting on the active grand jury things in, uh, in the District of Columbia. So we know that Jack Smith is still working on on those things and there's lots of interesting kind of tidbits here and there and then obviously fanny willis's uh, uh grand jury special grand jury and the normal grand jury in atlanta where she said hey y'all uh nobody planned to come to the city of atlanta in the last couple of weeks of uh july and august oh if you're an attorney like schedule all your things for zoom like we're gonna need extra police presence just just Maybe <laughs> just I'm not going to say something happened. You yeah. Know. Yeah. Could be anything. Could be anything. So um, which is really interesting. And I think um, I know you had some things about the new the new uh, Trump book. Um, oh, yeah, we can. We can. Wh- which, you know, mentioned North Korea. But I thought was most interesting for him talking about his daughter in a very, very predictably creepy way. <laughs> but but the the interesting thing about all this is that you have sort of a. Uh, Jack Smith has got a very interesting situation, right? Because if he's looking at any crimes related to the things around January 6th, and he thinks that Fonnie Willis is is looking at the same things, and we know she is because she's interviewing people across the country, which means it's a RICO case, um, he has to file his charges first because the Department of Justice will say if a state court files some things they won't file the same charges federally. And we know that she's, no, we have very strong indications that she's looking to file those in the next six weeks. Um, so he's, he's on a clock and you can tell he's moving quickly because they've interviewed Mike Pence. Uh, uh, Rudy Giuliani has done a proffer session 
which is like a, hey, if I were to testify and I said these things, you what think could he's that trying to get his make sure he doesn't get disbarred? No, he's already been oh, disbarred no, in New there. York. He's going to be disbarred <laughs> I mean, in D.C. Yeah, I was going to say, D.C. is recommending no, disbarment this is, this as well. Is, the not is going that what to jail. he's... I was going to say, what does he want out of this? I, I, he so. can't get that hair product in jail. He knows that. <laughs> well, that it's might like, be for the best. Yeah. Because just a, not good. The cigarette to hair, hair product uh, exchange rate <laughs> is too high. Um, and so it feels like a lot of things are going to happen in July. Um, I'm not a lawyer, obviously. Um well, and I wonder if what's going on is that Georgia is like setting the timeline to basically like that they're in some coordination with the fed, the feds on this and being like, when are you going to be done with yours? <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll sort of plan for that. Yeah, maybe that's it, you know, yeah. because she could have been ready to bring those charges two months ago. Yeah. But said, like, I know you're going to do this thing. So even if she doesn't yeah. say directly, like calling Jack Smith and like, hey, <laughs> what do you got? She's like kind of, you know how political groups, campaigns and political groups aren't supposed to talk to one another? Right. Correct. But a, but a political group will put a sort of statement on their website in a big red box that they would like maybe a political action committee to pick up. She's like, hey, I'm not talking to you, Jack Smith, but just for everybody in the greater Atlanta area, I'm going to be doing some shit. <laughs> right. Those first couple right. weeks in August. <laughs> Could be anything. Could be a block party. Could be a block party. It would be a great block Lollapalooza party. Lollapalooza, Georgia. Yeah, it could be. You never know. Could be. I have to hope in my heart of hearts as the compassionate person and who wants people to be happy that I am. I hope Merrick Garland really just gets to privately in his own home enjoy the heck out of this. Because he's a very professional. He's not going to gloat outwardly he's very no. quiet on this put a bulldog on it he was really going to make sure he got the job done but i really hope that he goes home and knows how much turmoil he's putting into um mitch mcconnell for example yeah, yeah. so, so I, i've got to ask this question carol because this is your first time on the show do you watch uh, ted lasso i do not but okay. steve has suggested that i watch apple tv yes yeah. you did in yes. fact yes. just all of the apples tv <laughs> all, all all the apples well, we'll cut that out later. So cut that out. <laughs> cut that whole thing. Cut, cut out Ted Lasso. But I will try and watch that. Because I had a good segment there. But it, uh, it doesn't go anywhere. So <laughs> When I haven't watched it. So the other really... Well, Ted Lasso the correspondent, other, EJ. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the other, you know, interestingly, we've seen a lot of people come in to testify. So it was Pence. It was Rudy. We had uh, fake electors in Georgia from Arizona, from uh, Michigan, I mean, a whole slew of people who have been, you know, there have been lawsuits trying to block their testimony. All of those have failed. Like, the last four weeks has seen a lot of activity yeah. from the grand jury side, witnesses. And people aren't saying no, which I think is very telling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We also got more uh, information unredacted from the original affidavit for the search warrant for Mar-a-Lago. Hmm. Which I thought was interesting. So, and it's the same magistrate magistrate judge in the Southern District of Florida who released it, Judge Reinhardt. Um, he was the one that uh, the right decided to Photoshop his body onto Jeffrey Epstein in a plane with some Doritos. I don't hmm. know if you remember that classic, <laughs> classic meme action. Yeah. Um, the best thing about that was that it revealed that actually they had videos of Walt now to just move in boxes in and out. Like, in in the timestamps are like. DOJ guy is supposed to show up at 11. It's like 1055. 
He's wheeling shit out of there. <laughs> DOJ guy leaves at one o'clock. Walt now does moving it back in at one o two. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's. I'm sure just a coincidence. Do you think Walt they're going to be able to offer him anything to be able to really just roll? I think they already have. And that's why he just had to wait to that long to get a lawyer to make sure he had the right deal. Well, no, I think, he's, I, I think he's not going to roll, and nobody wants to represent him. <laughs> well, I don't wonder who's... Well, I'm assuming Trump is paying the bills for his lawyer. I, it's the Save America PAC are paying for all the lawyers. So that's... Hmm. <laughs> I mean, which is... Look, this is something so I, I basically, think is very important. Basically, they're siphoning money from WinRed to pay for all of this, yes. is what I'm guessing. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, got Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Got it. Now, I don't know who's paying the law, the uh, the bills. You're, you guys ready for a big swing back to the initial two minutes? Go for it. Who's paying the bills for the attorneys at uh, the SPAC that was created to buy uh, True Social's parent company? I don't know if you know about this, and this is just the social media tie-in for all of this. So the Digital World Acquisition Company was founded uh, at some point last year. A SPAC is a company that's immediately public whose sole goal is to acquire another company and bring them public. But they're not supposed to say who they're looking at, who it is, maybe industry-wide, but nothing more than that. But it was clear that they were just there to acquire the parent company, company of Truth Social. Um, and we said when truth, uh, like, if you go back to our podcast, I was like, this seems very fishy. Turns out it was fishy. Um, uh, Digital World Acquisition Cor- Corporation has just agreed to settle with the SEC for an $18 million fine. Although it's not affirmed yet because Truth Social and that parent company has said, no, 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 no. We're fine. That's not, we don't, we, you can't do that. We don't assign to this. For those of you who are listening to this, which is all of you, uh, what you cannot see is that EJ has wheeled in a bulletin board. <laughs> there are red strings going <laughs> all over it's the everywhere. place. It's, it's amazing. It's so. amazing. Well, well, and here's why this is really interesting. So that whole thing with the Digital World Acquisition Corporation and True Social and all of that, the only reason that that has come to light, and there are both criminal and civil charges pending, is because one of the founders of Truth Social turned into a whistleblower yeah because they I really missed my calling i could have made so much as a whistleblower but they <laughs> so so but you have to commit crimes first trump you have to watch crimes. well you have to watch crimes that's true you have to watch just crimes. watch you have to the crimes them. so what happened was that that trump tried to take his equity in the company that he was a co-founder of yeah and give it to melania and so he got pissed and turned into a whistleblower. And this is why it's so consistent, why this thread works so well. Because when you look at what Trump's problems are, and this is, I think, very emblematic of the right. They are all self-made. Allegedly. He creates, he creates enemies for himself no, by that. throwing everybody under the bus. That's self-made, yes. It is absolutely self-made. Um, what I what, and yeah. long ago I was I was saying about Trump is that his undoing will be his demand of loyalty from everybody, but not rewarding loyalty for anybody. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Speaking of, what did he call General Kelly in the last week? What did he call him? A psychopath or something Probably. like that? Yeah. Uh, that sounds right. Yeah. I was like, yeah. <laughs> 
I don't know. If he's saying good things about Trump, I'm sure he says he's awesome. But if he <laughs> says anything bad about him, psychopath sounds right. Um, yeah. Oh, if he was a woman. Ah, well. Yeah. Then, it, then he'd be describing him as nasty or her as nasty, I suppose. I do enjoy the nasty woman. I've decided to make it my own. Yeah. There Own you go. it. Own it. Um, do you want to talk about our new segment, Judge Fickery? Judge Fickery. That's right. <laughs> Let's talk about Judge Fickery. So what? in that what? extent, well, I'm going to have to do lots of bleeping from now oh, on, I, aren't I? <laughs> I think, I, well, no, I think that's one word, so it's okay. Yeah. Oh. I, I, I don't is know how it, that works. Is that how it works? I don't know. I, I'm not positive. So how are you feeling about SCOTUS these days, Steve? Uh SCOTUS. Yeah. Uh, Speaking yeah. of bleeping. So there were there were some rulings that were reasonable rulings. And I'm not going to get into them in any detail because they're like what you would expect a court to do, more or less. Or at least it was like, hey, this could go horribly wrong. And there was like a, oh, they didn't entirely make it horrible. Okay. And, and this really fine. was about the independent state legislature ruling. There was that. There that, was, that um, was the big one, yeah, right? Where they could have said on, that we um, have no idea what's going to happen in you know, 2024. Yeah, th- yeah, exactly. So, but um, the two big ones that were uh, a, a scotus moment were the uh, student debt relief, mm-hmm. um, which is dead for now. And um, the thing that is common with both of these cases is that there is a standing is kind of a thing that the court is supposed to care about just to say hey you can't really come before the court unless something has actually happened to you that's bad for you display your injury right and they kind of said we that." Um, and so there's in the student debt uh, relief one there is uh, an organization called Mohila which is Missouri higher education Uh, Louisiana I don't know Um, uh, administration Sure. Um, And they were brought up in this suit as being harmed. And the entire case is built on them being harmed because, you know, the the debts were being canceled. And therefore, this loan servicer was going to have problems because of it. Uh, Mohila apparently did not want to be part of this case at all. Was like, we don't think this is this is right. Um, If you, you know, independent analysis has said that they continue to have their profits increase in spite of this. Like it's not really actually causing any real harm. Um, so is there standing? Not really, but this court doesn't give a shit. So, no. and this was specifically with regards to the executive branch using the heroes act. Yes. To cancel the debt, which is, there is some just tiny silver lining. There is that it's specifically about the heroes act. And there are other right. places. Don't worry. They'll ruin the last, the rest later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, in response to this, uh, the administration has two things they're doing. One is they're working on an alternate version of this where they will do the loan forgiveness through other means that they have on the books, have used in the past, Yeah, should be fine. Who knows? Interestingly, part of that has this rulemaking process that would involve input from organizations like Mohila. So they could get Mohila on record saying, hey, this is perfectly fine. And that would be baked into all of this. Now, could the Supreme Court still throw it out? Sure. Yes, because they don't. Okay, no. They do not give a. F- um, they've also added a 12 month on ramp to repayment, which is kind of a weird mixed bag, because basically what they're saying is. For the next 12 months, if you miss a payment on your student loans, 
uh, you will not be penalized. Like you aren't going to have your credit dinged. You aren't right. going to, um, you know, go into uh, uh, when your loan is not. Go ahead, man. You got it. I don't have it. What, what's the word I'm looking for? It doesn't default. matter. You won't go into default. It. Thank you. Yes, default is the word I'm looking for. I'm the for. default correspondent as well. Yes, you are the default <laughs> correspondent as well. Um, and so those things won't happen during that 12-month period. However, interest would still accrue if you're not paying for it. So the overall yeah. loan balance would go up. So, you know. And, and the reason that yeah. interest is still going to accrue is because that was written into the appropriations law that increased the debt ceiling. That was one of the concessions that the Biden administration made to get that through. Great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but... Uh, we thought the Supreme Court was going to be great, just like we thought they were going to be with yeah. the 303 Creative. Yes. So here lawsuit. we have extra elite level of bullshit for standing. <laughs> um, so the entire case was based on, thank you. Well, no, bullshit is fine. I can say bullshit all I want. It's that's a problem. <laughs> We have rules here, sir. <laughs> Keep your rating. Society is um, based on rules. So anyhow, uh, in this case, uh, the website that was in question. So basically, the whole theory here is that somebody asked for a website to be built for a gay wedding. The, uh, the person who was building the website did not want to build that website. And so that was the, the, the whole problem, right? Um, but but let's on. be clear about what they mean by ask. Right. Because well, when I heard ask, yeah. I assumed like there was I, I had a conversation with somebody, but it was an anonymous web form right. on their website that they said like, oh, this person filled it out. Yes. For Stuart and Mike. And so uh, uh, independent invested, you know, basically a journalist tried to find uh, the, the Stuart in question and asked the Stuart in question. Uh, you know about what happened. What you know? What was the website they wanted? Well, it turns out the steward in question is uh, has been married for 15 years. Didn't actually need a website at all. Also, uh, uh, has been married gay. to a woman. Yeah. So, really not relevant to the case. So, the whole well, the case th becomes irrelevant to the case at this point. One right. would think. You would think. Um, yeah, there is no harm to anybody in any of this. But yet, here we go, is the court says, okay, essentially, and, and all this comes down to a, a Colorado law that was intended to prevent discrimination, um, and that's gone. Well, I, I, like, I want, like, it is, you know, it is this very interesting concept of free speech that, that we play with a lot I think across the political spectrum that is saying if if I am forced to provide a service for somebody that is forcing me to essentially you know say something about their position that I agree with right this was also the right to work argument right that that uh, my free speech is being violated because the union may say something that I don't believe in. Um, and so this is a supposed to be a religious carve-out to a religious carve-out to discrimination laws because they would force speech on you that's uh, antithetical antithetical? 
antithetical to your yes. religious beliefs. Um, and we're going to talk about more Judge Three in a moment, which is contradictory to this. Um, and I don't agree with that statement at all, but clearly they were looking to elevate any twinge of religious tie-in to providing services or discrimination, being well, able to discriminate against somebody. And, and the, the way the, the way it is all written is very vague about, well, what is this creative mm. thing? Like, well, if I'm a chef, is my food... A creative thing? Can I reject people because of the, like I don't want them eating my food? Um, and also, this is not strictly LGBTQ. It is yeah, all. It, could be it is. It could be based on color. Like nominally, there's no. The ruling is unclear on that. So it's like of course it, it is. could be very broad, and it's up to the court to interpret it. You the can next discriminate any way up. you want. And and, and 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 let's be clear. Like this court could simply just not really do anything they could just let you know texas court say oh well based on that ruling we're going to do this you know and they just kind of go okay sure shrug their shoulders and move on and and the irony here again not that irony or uh any of that matters to to these folks is that the free market would take care of this problem an actual free market somebody would say i would like you to do a website say like i don't really feel good about this and i probably wouldn't do a good job and they'd say oh good news there are a billion places where I can get a website done. You're never going to... F- Nobody the has thing. ever, in the history of weddings, tried to force somebody who, to do something who was going to do a bad job. True. Here, here's what did not happen. Somebody going to 303 Creative and going like, I want a website for a gay wedding. Like, Actually, here's the best part. They didn't even do weddings at all. Like, They have never done a wedding website, period. And wow, that happened. sounds suspicious, Steve. <laughs> right? It's almost like they were wanting to. Right. Wow. It's almost like it, somebody yeah. went and dug for a possible case. Huh. Strange. Huh. Deep state, man. Deep state. Deep state. Deep state. Same people who brought to you the uh, net neutrality comments. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Remember those. We call them AstroTurf groups, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and you can find them in Moms for Liberty. That's the newest AstroTurf group that we're not actually talking about. Because somehow I didn't have enough rage brew in my glass to be able to talk about Moms for Liberty. But I can't talk about the judge in Louisiana where a federal judge has banned pretty much the entire executive branch of the government from talking to social media. After a lawsuit from some attorneys general, and I won't make you guess the states, but you already know who they are, who said that during the pandemic... The government oppressed free speech by influencing social media to maybe... They ask nicely for social media networks to kind of not spread that stuff. Yes. And, the, and those companies said, hey, we think that's a good idea. And then they, right. sometimes they listened and sometimes they didn't because they so were... So the alternative to this is they, they asked the social media platforms, I'm saying this is a healthcare provider now, yeah. To not promote messages that would seriously potentially harm people. Right. Yes. Yeah. Well, crazy, I know. Okay. That's what this also is. Can you not, you know, as people can't get out and get a lot of other information, can we tell them it's not okay to inject bleach into yourself? Uh, well, you have to make a decision in the moment whether or not that is protected speech. So, and that's the way the law is, the way the injunction is written says, 
if it's potentially protected speech, then the government can't talk to social media about it. It doesn't matter what the impetus is there. Social media can't reach out to the government. And there is a whole list of departments and individual people enumerated in this injunction um, to say, look, you can't call this person and say, like, should we be allowing this or not? Sorry, that could be protected speech. But they don't define protected speech, which just means this is a legal minefield. And this is what these vague, these vague rulings are meant to do is just put the fear of other litigation yeah, in chilling effect companies. It is the classic chilling effect. Yes. Can we talk about something cheerier? Like Let's cluster talk about munitions. No, no. I think we should move on to we can we can get to cluster munitions in a no. moment. Let's talk about people getting kicked in the balls. Yes. Oh, that was enjoyable. That made my day today. So. Uh, who wants? Do you want? I, I mean, uh, you want to go? Do you want to go? I, I mean, go ahead. To, it made your day. I, it really did make my day. I mean, first I saw some other news that made me happy, and then someone said you should check out what happened in Michigan GOP. So apparently, what happened is there was a committeeman meeting, not an open meeting, but the GOP in Michigan was having a closed meeting for their committee people. And a bunch of people decided to drive there to attend the meeting that they were not invited to or not allowed to be in and act like douchebags. Okay. That seems All about right. right. Yeah. Flipping off people through the window, trying to get into the door. And depending on who you ask who started, either someone came out and said, I'm going to hit you, and then he got kicked in the balls, or he was just opened the door and got kicked in the balls. Either way, balls were kicked, and... <laughs> Also, broken ribs were had because he also then grabbed him by the legs and threw him down. Okay. So he I was like, that's a hell of a kick if he broke his ribs that way. But yeah, there, there was also the throwdown. So, okay. you know, he was in the emergency Very room UFC. Get talking to the press. It was lovely seeing, you know, they're talking to him on his cell phone in there. I just find, you know, anytime you have R on R violence that includes this. Well, I, I, I can't help but think about Idiocracy and the Owl yeah. My Balls show. And I'm like, I wonder if that's how it started. Like, it's like. Hey, this is great. And then, then they went from I mean, there. this is definitely a state where, um, remember they had the Bikers for Trump ad? Mm-hmm. Classic. I recommend everybody goes, looks it up. Um, they got crushed in the last election. They did. I mean, I, as, as a Michigander, very proud of the state. Like, the Republican Party there is, is floundering in a, in a very good way. Foundering? Floundering? I think people use both. Foundering uh, for flounders or floundering for founders. I this don't happened at, uh, in Clare, Michigan, which if you don't know Michigan, Clare is in the middle of the Lower Peninsula. Yeah, it's right in the center. Um, if you hold your hand up and kind of right on, on the... Uh, right on your lifeline, everybody. The, f- the, the second metatarsal... <laughs> Of your middle finger. I hope everyone is doing this right yeah. now who's listening. Right. Uh, so I went to I went to Michigan or so I went to Central Michigan University, which is about an hour south of Clare. Uh, Clare is uh, it's pretty rural, right? Um, so people would have had to come from all over to get kicked in the balls in Clare, Michigan. That's a destination. It is, uh, and actually, Clare is lovely. They have a, an amazing uh, sporting goods store, Jay's Sporting Goods. It's like it's like. Grassroots Cabela. Do they sell cups there? What's that? Do they sell cups there? Cups? <laughs> I'm sure they do. <laughs> and also, you can't forget when talking about the wonders that is the Michigan Republican Party. They also did, you know, plan on kidnapping the governor. 
Some of that. Some of that. Some of that was just uh, Kid but Rock. Both sides. What are you going to do? Yeah, no, it was yeah. just Kid Rock. <laughs> <laughs> just Kid Rock. They were convicted. With his Bud Light at the time. Now it's With not. His, uh, now it's not. It's uh, Madonna. So, we just want to support those yeah. guys. <laughs> so uh, I put in some notes here about unions. There's a lot of union Come activity on, unions. going on. So obviously we got the WGA strike that's continuing on. SAG-AFTRA is uh, likely to go on strike soon. The one I'm most interested in, though, is the UPS strike. Woo-hoo. which uh, The world will end. It's going to be a big deal. Uh, I'm... I'm spent today thinking like how do i not cross that picket line like because that's that's a tricky thing because if i ask for something to be shipped to me it might get shipped to me by ups and if it doesn't it'll probably be amazon and that's not any better but you know it's like every time you get something in a uline package and you're like damn it Uh, (laughs) i don't have that happen but okay (laughs) oh yeah you do no i don't no i don't never never good denial Um, there steve yeah strikes (laughs) Strikes good. I, you know, and kind of related to labor action, um, Starbucks across the country has pushed an update to their pay, payment software that removes the tip option in union stores. <laughs> I'm so laughing. I can identify which store I'm going to if it's a union by simply looking for that. I'm laughing because, of course, they did. Of corporate course they America. did. Of course they did. It's like chef's kiss. Of, of late-stage capitalism. <sighs> I need a beer. Do you need a beer? Oh, probably. We're going to do another beer. Would you like another beer, Carol? I think I need a cigarette uh. after that one. That was really horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're here. I had to go ponytail because it was just getting too warm. My hair is too long. Yeah, I need a haircut. Hair. <laughs> yeah, mm. sorry. <laughs> sorry. Canadian sorry. Sorry? It's, it's heartfelt. Yes. <laughs> All righty. So that takes us to international news, which is mostly about Ukraine. Uh, so uh, I recall EJ, you texted me being like, it sucks that we're not podcasting right now because like all the shit was going on with like the Russian revolution was happening. Like we're like watching this happen in real time. Like, like literally I'm like looking at Google maps to see what the traffic looks like between like Ukraine and Moscow and being like, well, how long will it take them to get there? And like, (laughs) and as you all know, by this point, uh, apparently the revolution didn't happen, did not happen. But, Uh, but two things about that one, this is the second time in the 508 days or whatever the war has gone on that we actually got most of our information about real-time military movements from Google Maps. Yes. Because remember, right at the beginning of the war, we could tell where the tanks were, where the columns were moving based on Google Maps. And here was another case of the Wagner Group kind of driving straight up towards Moscow. I mean, that was pretty impressive speed they had there. Yeah. Although I feel like I should have looked at Waze and there'd be like, you know, closed because of helicopters attacking yeah, or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> They've got the little... <laughs> Go through this alley and then yeah. show up <laughs> at the Kremlin. Right. <laughs> so, I mean... Much the, people like, stop going through my alley. Yeah. The, the short version is that, you know, for weeks and weeks, Pergosian, former sausage, <laughs> sausage king of Russia... Right, right. ...and erstwhile... Uh, but see, <laughs> head of a well, here's what I, I learned in the process of this is that the whole him being like the sausage king of, of 
uh, of Ukraine or Russia or whatever we're doing. Like, it's because that's where you do money laundering is in catering. So that's why that's that's the whole connection. Who knew? Who knew? So from Putin's caterer. That's and right. Chief money launderer to head of the Wagner group. And he's been criticizing the government and the army for not sending the right supplies, for essentially being really bad at armying. And so he said, okay, well, I'm just going to make a point here. I'm going to make a show of force. Yeah. And they took over the main army headquarters in the southwestern part of Russia, yeah. right on the border with Ukraine with no resistance, and then just started driving up and shooting down aircraft, both helicopters and fixed-wing aircraft, on their way. Yeah. Uh, one thing to note also is that the sort of lead-up to this, they were going to force all of the Wagner Group people who were, who were operating as a contractor, they were going to force them to sign up as Russian regular military. So instead of being like uh, Blackwater, they were going to join the army or, you know. I, I mean, so how do we feel about that? Is it better to be in a union job? Well, was the Wagner Group a union organization or not? I. That's a, that's a, I mean, they were definitely paid better. So it's yeah, like. So maybe they, I think they kind of were in a union. The thing that was so weird about the whole situation was like. Part of me is like I'm rooting for Pogosian because it's like like this this can bring the war to an end. But really, then you realize like Pogosian's like no 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 we're not warring hard enough. We need to war yeah. harder. <laughs> like it was like we're holding back. We need to be even more violent. We need to do terrible terrible things. So like had he pulled off a coup, which it isn't entirely clear whether he was trying to or not. Uh, it would probably have been an even worse thing for Ukraine, but I, I mean, who knows? I mean, the, the reality is Putin's kept in power by the collection of oligarchs who are still alive. Yes. Who keep dying. I mean, if, if we had a... The uh, non-irradiated oligarchs. Yeah. If we had non, sort of... Non-defenestrated oligarchs. Uh, that, uh, that's <laughs> it. It's like this week in Russian defenestration. Yes. I mean, because, again, somebody was thrown out a window this week, 47-year-old. Which, yes. uh, yeah, I could have been an oligarch now. That's what I really, had I been in Russia, I could have been an yes. oligarch now. Um, the other really interesting thing is sort of Lukashenko, who really just seems like an idiot and yes. has seemed like a useful idiot the entire time, is like, I negotiated this deal between Putin and right, like, like Pergosian. The way this all played out on the day is like, you know, they're driving, they're going to be in Moscow in a couple hours, and then something's like, oh, well, they seemingly had a Zoom call and it's all cool now, man. Yeah. <laughs> We're good. We're good. Uh, yeah, Prigozhin's yeah. going to be exiled in Belarus. Oh, really? It, yeah, and so the Russians raided his apartment in um, St. Petersburg. And along the way, they found a bunch of selfies of him in disguises, <laughs> which I recommend going to look at because they are hilarious. They are hilarious. Then they returned all of his stuff to him. And Lukashenko, like, called a press conference and said, like, I just want you to know that Prigozhin is not here. He's probably in St. Petersburg. And then they were tracking flights. And it turned out he just went back and, like, had a meeting with Putin. Like, okay. okay. You know, probably at Starbucks or something. Right. One of the non-union ones. I was going to say, which one? Right. right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, just chatting it all over. And so now it's like, where is he? We don't know. Is he? Is, uh, he, is he? That's uh, yeah. well. He <laughs> recorded something in the last, you know, few days after that per, that meeting. Said he was still so alive. Proof of life. How long do you think Prigozhin is alive? What's your What's your guess, Carol? 
Well, it's a little surprising he is alive now. I agree. So, so, th so there's a possible answer is he's not actually alive at the moment. Well, that's why I said, <laughs> is he? Because I was like, I mean, he met with Putin so, so wherever it was. Yeah, I'm yeah. going with the under. Yeah, I think, I, I think, uh, I think Purgosian stays out of any building more than a single story. <laughs> he could be like filtering uh, Domu by garden units he's like, only. He's <laughs> going through Zillow looking for ranch houses in uh, yeah. Belarus. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That, uh, yeah, that, I like the uh, mid-century nice. modern. It is very nice. It's flat. I Big windows, but close to ground. I don't <laughs> if I was going to be exiled somewhere from from Russia, I'm not sure Belarus is where I would want to go. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> How about Crimea? I don't know what the oh, options wait. are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, wait. So I, but, but I think it does show sort of some weakness in the house of cards that is Putin's kleptocracy right yeah um and at the same time we have this big summer offensive by the R ukraine sort of moving slowly east trying to cut the russian forces in half you know one can only assume that they don't actually think they're going to take Donbass back and maybe just try to cut off enough things to maybe take crimea back at some point or at least have enough leverage to, to force some good settlement. The problem is the Russians have been expecting this for months and months and months, so they're right, totally so they're dug, all in. dug in. And, um, and that's yeah, why there was a request for for cluster munitions. Yeah, so this is a... Uh, so two things that are kind of like where the U.S. foreign policy plays into this. One is uh, it, Biden came out against Ukraine's membership in NATO saying that they're not quite ready yet. Um, whether, you know, I think ultimately, like right now, they they want to leave the possibility open of finding some settlement to all of this. And so they're not going to they're not going to burn that bridge. Well, um, well, but also like you can't admit somebody and then say, OK, now everybody in NATO has got to instantly go to war. We could. I mean, you so, could. It's, so it's really that we're not ready, not that they're not. Ready, I, I mean, but but like, uh, but yeah, uh, right. But but so, you know, Finland gets into NATO last year yeah and then this year they've got to commit troops like that's a very hard sell yeah and it's um, got to be unanimous decision like but at the same time uh there was the move to uh allow for giving uh our stockpile of um uh, cluster munitions to ukraine and the problem with cluster munitions is that they are Basically, that the, these artillery shells that they would be using ha are filled with a bunch of little bombs. And most of those bombs explode when they're used, but not all of them. And so what you end up with is a bunch of uh, bombs lying around that are like the size of probably like a baseball or something like that. Yeah, which is a delightful thing for a child is, yeah. to pick up in the middle of, you know, wherever yep. they're playing. And, um, and it's why most countries have outlawed them. Yes. And that is why they've and outlawed them. Yes. Um, and, you know, so there's a lot of controversy over using them. Um, you know, I think there's, there's, a, there's an argument to be made that if Ukraine is asking for them and they want to use them on their own territory and ultimately they're the ones who are going to have to do that cleanup that will follow, you know, there's a logic to it. Um, also, it's worth noting that Russia is also using cluster munitions and laying out mines. So they're still going to have to clean up a bunch of that no matter what happens. What could possibly go wrong with a bunch of unexploded cluster right. munitions well, and mines? Exactly. But I think the other reality is the places where they're thinking about using them. And, and again, anything can happen. Right. Those places are all heavily mined already. They are going to be. Yeah. 
they are going to be no man's lands until somebody cleans up everything. Yeah. Not just the cluster munitions. I don't, you know, uh, I don't like it. But I also, you know, am Turns not fighting for my homeland. Shitty. Yeah. Yeah. No uh, good answers. Yeah. No good answers. <sighs> but let's talk about NATO and Sweden. Yeah, apparently Turkey's like, yeah, you can let Sweden in. It's cool. Yeah, that was a big turnaround. <laughs> it was a big turnaround <laughs> in the last week. Like, who paid them off? What did they get? Well, but I think that's the question. Is it F-16s? Is it something else? So Ergodon won his last election, so he didn't have that kind of pressure on him. And Sweden has in the last, you know, couple of weeks, you know, uh, allowed some Koran burnings maybe that may not be sit well in a predominantly Muslim country. Uh, but evidently he's gotten out of the way. And I, I heard a really interesting take like, oh, it's probably not. He probably doesn't want the F-16s because he doesn't really trust his military anyway. So why <laughs> would he want them to be better equipped? Uh, there's that. Which I found very interesting. But maybe uh, Sweden will be bork, bork, borking their way into NATO soon, uh, which is interesting. Also on the international front, the Dutch government has <laughs> fallen. So before we started recording, we were talking about this is like, here if the government falls, like, there's bodies in the streets, there's fires, like. And that's even if we haven't had the government fall. I mean, that's right. just the threat this of is the, the debt ceiling not right. being able to be extended. Like, and it's like, honey, penny, the sky is falling down. Yes. Everything I read, it seems like governments are falling apart all the time. I mean, the UK, it's like minis- the um, parliament dissolved. Right. I'm like, oh, it's, it's heads of lettuce, everybody. Yeah, heads <laughs> of lettuce. I, I don't know it if was it's a cabbage. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was arugula. I have been misled. Uh, uh, and actually, in the UK, that's called rocket. Is it? It is. All right, there you go. Today's UK vocabulary moment brought to you by arugula. Arugula. <laughs> A spicy vegetable with a much better name than rocket. <laughs> much more fun to say, anyway. True. true. It is true. But, but this is something that we talk about a lot. And, you know, remember when the, uh, there were <laughs> the months that we were in, as we were a Knesset po- uh, podcast because, <laughs> because Israel couldn't get a, a coalition government together to save their lives. And when you have a, a system that relies on a coalition government, and the UK isn't quite the same way, but... Uh, you could just fall out of power. Like, yep, uh, we've, we're leaving. And in this case, uh, Dutch Prime Minister Mark Rutte uh, took a Rutte too a far. A surprisingly pronounceable name for a Dutch politician. I know. On, on immigration policy. And the Dutch are not, you know, they're one of the more conservative countries in Europe on immigration. And it was too far for two uh, of the parts of his four-party coalition. So he's like, this is a bummer. There will be new elections, but that'll be September and October. And what I thought was actually really interesting about this, one was that his, his immigration policy was too strict, um, and two, it was on the same week that the Dutch king apologized for the royal family's uh, part and profiting in the slave trade. They Which finally is, got around to that, huh? Uh, yeah, they didn't do anything outside of that, but they apologized, no. which is oh. a start. Our bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, our our bad. Do uh, we have anything else outside of Illinois and Chicago? Uh, I, I just got a news alert that um, Northwestern has fired Pat Fitzgerald as their football coach. 
That was going to be my Chicago surprise content. I am oh. so sorry I blew it for you. No, I think you it's should great. Edit, should we edit that out and let no, EJ surprise No, absolutely not. Yep, that came through here at 610. He had been put on administrative leave, and now he is fired. And today what, I also what saw... What did he do? Oh, some little sexualized hazing. Oh, great. Some Just a we little... We call it a light Jim Jordaning. And... <laughs> <laughs> Funny, not funny. Uh. Um, but th- the really cool thing about this, and, and the thing I think everybody should be proud of, is it was student reporters who uncovered this. So this is because yes. of the students that we know this and this action has been taken. Um, and good on them. This is the second time in the last three months that a uh, Big Ten football coach or assistant coach has been fired for being terrible. Uh, it started with Bo Schembechler's son at Michigan, uh, who was a scout. Uh, that happened about six weeks ago. So, um, yeah, thank you, student reporters. Keep Although I also saw today in my news that came through that it's better be good was, news. Well, no, it Northwestern had a problem with their baseball team as well, and so we've got you know in the last year so their first year baseball coach also had bullying and abusive behavior and that was last year so if i were the athletic director and the dean and things like that i mean they said the university's investigation found sufficient evidence that fostered engaged in bullying and abusive behavior which is from the hr document but they didn't really do much about it at some point, one might, might think, hey, maybe there's a pattern to this, and maybe there's something we should do because of that. You but. know, I went to Northwestern, and um, when we sucked at all things, except baseball, sport-wise. And hazing. And hazing. Well, there wasn't really much need for hazing because our teams weren't good enough to have it actually seem to be worthwhile, But after, you know, except for baseball. So, I mean, we took a, you know, like we would just know that we were terrible and do things like, you know, chant at the football games. That's all right. That's okay. We will be your boss someday. And (laughs) that is the most Northwestern (laughs) thing I've ever heard (laughs) outside of, I remember the college application for Northwestern actually asked the make and model of car that your parents drove. Wow. That's also a pretty Northwestern thing. Which is when I stopped filling out the application. No. Anyway, because it was a 1972 uh, Buick Skylark, uh, and that wouldn't have passed muster, I suspect. No, I felt very out of place there. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, so, uh, you know, we're, we're uh, a few months into the new mayor's uh, term, and he inherited something from the old mayor that we were all very excited about. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was NASCAR, y'all. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Which, so. uh, people asked me about it when I was outside of Chicago and they were like, what do you think about NASCAR in Chicago? And I was like, look, I don't know where they're thinking they're going to get fans to come in from. Because on one hand, you have NASCAR. On one hand, you have a fan base that I think is primarily Fox News watching. And me. I, look, I don't. I, I just want to point out I'm Central Illinois, remember? Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> mind a little NASCAR. I like auto racing in all forms. I do. Like, are people going to be scared to come to Chicago or are they going to come to Chicago and then be like, this is the nicest part of Chicago? I mean, that would be nice if they were yeah. like, wait, Fox News has been lying to me the hey, whole wait time. A I have not been what? killed. But what happened 
I, I wasn't here that weekend. So what happened for? Uh, it rained a lot. <laughs> that's that's true. It what did. I will say it's funny because like we were in the middle of a drought, like we hadn't seen any rain, and then suddenly NASCAR shows up and it just fucking poured. Um, you know, it's the you got you got your uh, uh, your water action days going on. It was just like, yeah, I heard torrential. it was bad. I heard uh, it was bad. So they do any racing? They, they actually did. They did actually racing. do racing. Uh, a New Zealander one, which I thought was also amazing. Um, Naturally, you know, I will say like it's it'll be interesting to see like kind of let it sit for a little bit and like see like well what was the actual impact of this and the benefit of it and did it do what they thought it would do like they they went through all this hassle to shut down major parts of downtown like parts of Lakeshore Drive were shut down for this race Dusabo Lakeshore Drive Dusabo Lakeshore Drive excuse me thank you DLSD not LSD not as funny but but better but longer um, and um, so like what was the impact? So like NASCAR brought a certain amount of financial benefit, presumably, but, but like what was the impact of people not going downtown because they didn't want to deal with all of that bullshit? Um, I know that everybody I talked to was like making a conscious avoidance of downtown. So what, what money was not spent in the city, you know, because of that? I think that overall is a positive, even though I did not go to the race yeah. and I did not plan on going to the race, partially because part of going to any uh, motorsports race is you need to be high enough to see and I couldn't quite figure out where I was going to be able to be high enough uh, to see without going in one of the not no. that type of high oh, although okay. I, I could get that high to see but I couldn't get <laughs> elevation could to be able to see I mean I am five one and three quarters so I would have to get up into somebody's you know yeah apartment up there but I do think the positives of this is there were a few people that I know that mutual friend acquaintances and friends of ours Steve even who went and had never done anything NASCAR before and were surprised at how fun it was yeah they were very surprised I think it's not a bad thing for Chicagoans to see that not all NASCAR stuff is bad although some of it is not gonna lie um, that motorsports are fun in their own way even if it gets rained out and that Having people come to Chicago, I mean, I, I've, yeah. this is the third time I've said I'm from central Illinois. My mother it was down in Bloomington Normal area, and my family all down here, they don't even know exactly where Chicago is, but it's all bad. They think it starts somewhere around Kankakee, and <laughs> everything north of there is bad, evil Chicago. So if that got some people, like you said, to come into Chicago mm. and see it wasn't all that bad. I mean, the things that people would say to me when I was down there, how do you manage it? Like, I'm not sure I understand. I, I walk to local restaurants. And store. <laughs> I don't drive my car for months at a time, and it's glorious. I, I don't understand what the problem is. Aren't you afraid? I go to a delightful tap room. I am afraid when have I'm down there of all of the people who have guns more than I am up here in my neighborhoods that are much more safe than yeah. small towns in yeah. anywhere, I think. But Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I was interested in seeing it, and then I looked at the ticket prices, and I'm like, I'm not paying $275 for it. Well, that's the usual price, because, you know, when they had the Chicagoland down in Joliet yeah. area, you buy usually the package for the weekend, and right. then no one wants to go to the Saturday race, so they're trying to sell it, and they're trying to get as much as they can, because yeah, like, they only want to go to the And Sunday honestly, race. this is the thing, is like, you know, if it's a football game, like, okay, 275 is high for a football game, but like... You know, I'm I'm willing to pay good money to go to a football game because I already enjoy it. I know what I'm getting. 
NASCAR, I'm like, ah. Like, if I was like, you know, if I'd seen $7,500 ticket, I'd be like, you know what? I'll give it a shot. Let me try it. I think I want to take you and another mutual friend of ours who also had similar things to say about it. Yeah. In the pri- I feel like I want to treat you both to a NASCAR weekend. Maybe go to a small track. I want to see EV racing. Really? Formula E. Formula that E. Would be, that would be... Because annoying thing, like, pitch. I think that that would be really hard on the ears. I'd be for very me. curious because I think like a part of the NASCAR experience, my sense is, since I have not actually been to one, is the the like loudness of it, like the, like the things RPMs. going by and they're fabulous. Whereas like EV, like in EV, it would just be like, yeah, I think that noise of bees. I mean, this is part of why I haven't really been a huge F one fan is because that higher pitch sound bothers and me. And if we but. got to a point where we're we had evolved to, uh, you know, the point that, like, we only ever used gas to run NASCAR. I'm cool with that. Like, you know what? Like, we're not gonna, we're saving the planet. Like, what? we'll do just enough. We'll, we'll grow some extra trees so we can keep running NASCAR and everything else is EVs. Like, so, so I will tell you that I've seen urban races. I grew up in Detroit. I saw mm. the F1 and Indy cars in Detroit. They're amazing. I would have gone to see the NASCAR here. Yeah. And, and I like, know there's like, especially because I knew they were going to crash. Yeah. That's the fun part. You get to yeah. see the crashes. Well, because it's all so tight, right? And the cars are so wide. So one of the big differences By the way, for Formula E or... Yeah. yeah. The highlights... We're like, I watched off. a highlight reel of the NASCAR race in Chicago, and it was basically, like, just sliding out. <laughs> People trying to drive around, like... Cautions breed cautions, too. Once you have yeah. one wreck, you're going to have a bunch more because yeah. they get all grouped up together again, and then they go off and ram into each yeah. other again. It's quite a lot of fun. It's very... Um, Thrilling yeah. in its own way. Well, and it's like it's yeah, so you're never going like, to invite me back. Oh, I'm, a, I'm standing for Will Hurd. I'm standing for NASCAR, and a, I am. We're I not am. anti-NASCAR. <laughs> we're not anti-Will Hurd. <laughs> we're we are. No, the people are go- your listeners fact, are going to wonder what we I'm are. Doing here. We I think we would become a sponsor of the Will Hurd NASCAR racing team given the opportunity. So I, and I w- think I would go for that. We've gone very long. <laughs> Um, but I want to say <laughs> well, this. Well, we have one extra person, so that means That's we should true. go, you know, 33% yeah. longer. So, mm. Since our last podcast, I, w- I was in Norway. Mm-hmm. And in my conversations with my Norwegian colleagues, no fewer than eight people said they listened to the podcast. So, so thank you, Norway. <laughs> so hello, so our Norway. audience is growing thank in Norway. Norway. And how, we didn't talk about Norwegian how, politics today. I, but I, How is but NASCAR racing doing in Norway? <laughs> About as well as Dutch politics. <laughs> oh, there you go. All right. I think that's a good concluding note. That's a good concluding All note. All right. Uh, a cheers. Uh, thank, thank you for joining Carol. us. It was a pleasure. Official Will Hurd correspondent, Carol. Uh, if right. you'd like to be our official Nikki Haley correspondent, please reach out to us on threads. <laughs> to Steve. To Steve on threads. I sure. don't have a thread. Sure. Do you have a threads? Did you even say? True story. I'm not on Instagram, so I don't know how I'd make the jump to threads. <laughs> you know, I actually was like, oh, I want to set up like a, a a threads account using like my sort of Twitter handle that I used to use. But I can't use that because it's already taken because somebody has an Instagram handle. That's already, I'm like, it's all been ruined. It's, it's all been, been ruined. ruined. Anyhow, and on that Post uplifting a thread about note, it. social media. Enjoy. Cheers. Stay safe, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.